Hello everybody, Bradley here, and welcome on into Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter, where today we are diving deep into Chapter 11 of the Philosopher's Stone, entitled Quidditch. Just a quick reminder that this podcast may contain adult content and also will contain spoilers for all of Harry Potter. So if you have not fully read and watched all of the Harry Potter you want to read or watch before hopping into this podcast, make sure you do so we don't spoil anything for you. And we also have a bunch of cool things you can check out. We have a Patreon where a bunch of cool people are helping financially support this podcast and keep it sustainable, which is awesome. That link is in the description below. If you want to check it out, you get early access to some of the episodes, a few other little bonuses, but that's there if you want to check it out. We have a Facebook group you can join if you want to hang out with a bunch of cool people and talk about pop culture things it's just a good time over on the facebook group so that is in the description below as well we also have a twitter at let's dive deep and a gmail let's dive deep pod at gmail.com for you to email us all of the we actually in the next couple of episodes prompt you a few times to send us emails and we read all of them so i would appreciate some emails if you got them that would be very fun and finally other than word of mouth which is obviously helpful for getting podcasts to people don't forget to leave a review on on the podcatcher of choice wherever you are listening to this that helps us know how we're doing as a kind of podcasting duo with this deep dive but also allows this podcast to get out to more people as more people uh, see a podcast with good reviews they'll listen to it and that's obviously a good thing for us and for you so uh, if you could leave a review that would be awesome let's dive deep though into chapter 11 quidditch All right, everybody, welcome back into Chapter 11 Quidditch. Here is a quick recap for you all. Harry is about to play his first Quidditch match. Hermione is doing Ron and Harry's homework, which is crazy because Ron isn't even on the team. At the Quidditch match, Lee Jordan brings the heat while Harry battles with a cursed broom. Hermione is the only smart person around who goes to do something and takes out both Quirrell and Snape. She is now a certified pyromaniac. Harry swallows the snitch, wins the match, and afterwards Hagrid lets them in on a secret because he is very, very silly. Rachel, thoughts, overall thoughts on this chapter. I love this chapter. I think we've been building towards getting to see a Quidditch game for a while. And I think this one just brings the drama and the fun that we were expecting. So every time I reread it, it's always a fun time. I have the exact same thoughts. I had a lovely time with this chapter. It was just, I'm I'm about to talk later just about Quidditch as a sport and some of the... Um, weirdness that happens in Quidditch as a sport. I don't know if JK is someone who knows a lot about sports, just based on how Quidditch is written. However, in this chapter, I just had fun. It's time for a fun chapter. I had a lot of fun. Um, it also is a very... She gets really good at using Quidditch as a as a device to further the plot in a different way that has nothing to do with Quidditch. And in this case, you have all the Harry get, catching the snitch and winning and how good that is for him. But it also, Hermione's the one in this chapter that's furthering the plot, taking out Quirrell, thinking Snape was the cursed person, all that stuff. Um, so I find this is the first time that we get Quidditch as a device separately from the game that's being played. Yeah, like a plot vehicle. I agree. I hadn't thought about it that way, but no, you're really on point. Oh. What that usually means for Harry is like Quidditch is usually so dangerous. Yeah, he either is missing the match or getting injured in like 90%. This is the one match I think where he just gets to win it. I think most of the yeah. other time Quidditch comes up. It's not even in book four, which sucks for all of the people who aren't in the Triwizard Tournament but don't get to play yeah. Quidditch, which mm -hmm. we'll talk about, I guess, book four. But yeah, yeah, like he's either getting hurt or he's, you know, not playing because Umbridge or Snape has, has him in detention or whatever. So this is the one game where he just gets to vibe. And even in this game, he almost dies. Like, it's ridiculous. He just never gets to have a good time playing Quidditch. 
just such a dangerous sport off the bat. And then he never has a normal game. It's always life-threatening. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Rachel, we both know the answer for this chapter. We're hitting back-to-back-to-back-to-back chapters here. Should should a teacher (laughs) have been fired or sacked uh, in this chapter? Uh, Absolutely, yes. Uh, I think there's, there's two. Obviously, Coral can't murder students. That's obvious no. Can him, sue him. Get him out of there. I'm glad I have then, a law expert on the podcast. Your note your note of just murder is a no-no made me laugh. I mean, <laughs> you should know that by now, Coral. Come on. Yeah, murder is bad. Uh, but yeah, and then secondarily, like just the teachers, the teachers seeing that happening and then nothing else being done. It's, so, it's ridiculous. Yeah. It's absolutely absurd. I have the exact same two people getting fired. Coral's just fired. At this point, you know, you should be fired the whole time for being Voldemort, but that's a separate issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's a separate problem. In this chapter, he tries to murder a student, and teachers are not allowed to murder the students. That's bad. We don't want that. Um, but all the other, this the whole situation is ridiculous. Snape, who is, I guess, doing a good job of doing the counter curse, but not tell you there's only like 11 teachers at the school and they all sit in a row together. Can he be like, and there's only one option. Like he knows who the one person that's charming Harry could possibly be. And so yeah. like, it's ridiculous that he doesn't just like push quarrel over or confront him there. Or like, it's, it's absurd to me that he doesn't say anything or do anything else other than mutter a counter curse, which doesn't actually even work that well. And so I don't, Snape is also getting fired in this chapter. The other teachers are, I don't know if I'm firing them. I don't know. I don't know. But they're not doing anything either, even though this situation is clearly happening and that they could help. Will 10 counter curses overdo one curse? I don't know what the math is, but they could have tried. That's all I'm saying. Yeah, they could have tried. They could have called a timeout in the game. Harry seems to think that's a possibility when he starts to lose control of his broom. I also wonder, like, Snape is supposed to be really good... Legilimens, I think that's. I always yeah, legilimency. That one, yeah. So he can communicate telepathically. Why can't he just like, hey, Dumbledore, there's an issue. I'm not gonna lie. I'm not gonna lie to you. I think it's probably because legitimacy isn't invented yet. I think. I think unfortunately (laughs) for Snape, uh, occlumency and legitimacy aren't invented for a couple of books. And so that's oh, that's I'm off getting the ahead board. of myself. Yeah, even even <laughs> if it makes sense in the moment, I think um, I think we retcon those two things in a little bit later. Okay, okay, that's fair. <laughs> Perfect. I'm still. I think we can still fire Snape though. Like legitimacy or not, yeah. he's being a tool. He's doing more than the other teachers, but it's only because he knows something's up with Coral, and he's kind of on the ball. So he yeah, could should have been extra on the ball, given that he knew. All right. What is your alternative? chapter title okay so i went with uh, i kind of went with a combo of the sports paranoia and also the obvious jinxing of the broom and i i uh, went with don't jinx it i love your title i love your (laughs) title i had jinx in my title as well um the problem with that is i didn't want to overdo it so (laughs) i couldn't help (laughs) myself i love a rhyme it doesn't even really make sense but i went with broom and gloom I just think there's a there's like some there's some good things that happen in this chapter, but overall it's pretty gloomy. And I was like, hey, there's a rhyme, so I'm gonna take it. I went with broom and gloom. I like it though. I think it fits the mood. It's like Quidditch and probably some sulking afterwards. 
Absolutely. Um, just for the viewers of the, or the viewers, the listeners of this podcast, uh, just so you know, I've been getting more and more emails. Uh, Rachel and I are recording this way after the last episode because reasons. But when you're listening to this, you'll just listen to it back to back to back. Uh, but in the in the intermediary period, I have been enjoying the cacophony of emails that I have received with your alternative chapter titles. So keep sending them. I don't remember what ours were from chapter one, but I got a lot of chapter one titles in the uh, email recently so thank you for that i i appreciate it um i'll send those over to you rachel as a side note just because i think you might enjoy them there's been some comments oh, about how like who won like we or you it's just good it's good fun to get those those emails oh, oh i'd love to go through them sometime that sounds like a lot of fun all right let's get into the the meat and potatoes of the chapter here uh the chapter starts out and the the first thing that i had as my notes is i just want to start right off the bat I don't understand the rules of Quidditch. Like, I don't, as someone who loves, just, just for the audience, I'm a sports guy. I'm a sports ball person. Um, I believe Rachel's actually pretty into sports as well. So here's just oh, yeah. like, I, I follow a variety of sports with various different rule sets. I follow soccer, mainly the Premier League and the MLS, but there's some other leagues too. All the rules are generally mostly the same though. I watch Formula One. I watch a little bit of baseball. I definitely follow hockey. I follow basketball as well. These are all very different games with a variety of, you know, rules and ways to play them. Quidditch is the most bonkers sport ever. Aside from the flying on broomsticks part of it, I don't understand anything about this sport. What are there 700 fouls, which is, I guess makes sense, but Madam Hooch clearly knows none of them, so I don't know how this game is officiated. They're second in the standings. I think Rachel has this note too. What does that mean in a four-team Yeah, con I was so contest? glad you noticed that. Okay, I, I have a theory. It's not a very good theory. It's very lazy. But because there are only four, after the first two games, two teams would have points and two teams wouldn't. So you could think that after a victory, two teams would be tied and then therefore be in second. And then two teams would be tied for a fourth. That's the only logical explanation I have. Unless they have the standings continue over from year to year. Which also wouldn't make sense. Because they award the Quidditch Cup every year. Yeah, but my I guess my I have a separate side problem. How does this league season work? Because based on how I understand the books and based on how Quidditch is mentioned in the next the following books, they play each team one time. There are three Quidditch matches in a season. Or do <laughs> yeah. they play each team twice? Like this isn't uncommon in soccer in most leagues. The teams play mm -hmm. each other twice. If it's a small league, they play each other four times. As far as I know, each team only... Because there's never a mention like, oh, Harry's going up against Slytherin. They lost earlier in the year. And this is the, mm -hmm. the rematch. It's never like that. So they only play three matches of the entire year. And they choose to play them in the worst weather period of the year. It's not like they do like one in August and two in April, <laughs> where the weather is now. I guess one in September. And two, they do them all over the winter, which is... I, I just... I don't understand how this... I don't understand how this league system is working at all. I, yeah, I think we just have to assume that some of the games are happening outside of the story. It must be. That must be the case. Yeah. Like, if I'm setting up this league, they need to play each team at least four times, right? Oh, to, to create enough matches to have, like... Because so much of sports isn't actually about the sports, it's about the story, Right, mm -hmm. the underdogs rising up and beating the the big guys. You know, in in hockey, you have a team like Toronto. Uh, there's a salary cap, but they got the most money available. Like, how do they spend that money? How do they use the fact that they're you know they can throw around the cash to attract players? Like, there's all these stories outside the game. Like, how does that happen if you're only playing three games a season? 
Yeah, it doesn't. You just you just swallow a snitch, and then that's the story for your entire rivalry that year. All right, and I have one more. I'm going to bring this up in the next Quidditch chapter. In book two, I have a lot of notes. However, uh, in this one, I just want to talk about the timeout a little bit. Later, Harry's going to ask for a timeout. At what point in Quidditch can you call a timeout? What does that look like? Like, how does a timeout work? Because in hockey, you need to, like, wait for a break in play. As far as I understand Quidditch, there is no break in play. Why? Also, why do they need to call a timeout? I think if one of the players is getting charmed by a dark, evil wizard, Hagrid, someone who's not all that magically capable, is able to identify pretty quickly there's some dark magic things happening. So surely one of the mm-hmm. actual professors, Snape, also identifies it. Like, surely we're allowed to pause the game and not have to make the teams use their time at the the whole yeah. rules of quidditch i don't understand i don't understand how timeouts work but i also don't understand why they're necessary in this case why can't we pause the game just like who's yeah. not have a whistle like what is happening i think it's probably i would probably equate it to like a stoppage of play in hockey when someone gets injured like you're not really supposed to stop the game when someone gets injured unless like that team gets possession then you can just whistle it down but if someone's really really hurt you just stop the game. Right, but also they score five. Slytherin scores five yeah, so times. Yes, keeps going. So, like, what? Like the game just keeps on going. I just I just wanted to talk about it up at the top, just so we don't dwell on it for yeah. the rest of the chapter. The rules of Quidditch are fucking weird. I don't understand them. It's still a fun chapter, and the sport is hilarious, but yeah. it's a strange sport. <laughs> it's so odd. Although I do want to know more of the... I think I mentioned it later. I want to know what more of the 700 fouls are. Right, yeah, we'll talk about your notes on it are are way more intense than my notes on the on the seven. <laughs> my my notes are just seven hundred fouls. That's a lot, and Hooch knows none of them. But your notes are are more intense. We start the chapter outside of Quidditch. Actually, I just want to get that rant mm-hmm. out of the way uh, with Hermione doing the homework of Harry and Ron. Harry reminisces like, "Oh, it's so great to have a friend that's going to do my homework." You know, very relatable in real life as well as Harry Potter. But to Harry, mm-hmm. it's nice because he's on the sports team and has a lot of extra practices or whatever. Ron is just mooching. Ron is just being dragged along he's getting the homework done and he has time to do his own homework and hermione has set up this system that's very clever to clear her conscience where she Mm -hmm. doesn't actually initially do the homework she just does it all after they've done it to make them actually do it and then she corrects it she just redoes it and so i love that for hermione she she's pretended to be one step removed to clear her conscience which i just thought was a good little character nugget thrown in there oh yeah and i love that like in the previous chapters they were so on her for being such a nerd and they're like oh it's so annoying that you know all these answers and you make everyone look bad and then as soon as they're friends they're like hey hermione (laughs) you want to take a look at my charm somewhere (laughs) yeah they're just they're just and like i don't know what the relationship is at this point like did hermione offer to do this is like oh hermione's like oh man i got these two friends now they saved me from this stupid troll so now i gotta do their homework like i don't know what the what the level of the, like, what the power balance in the relationship is. Because he doesn't say that mm-hmm. Hermione willfully, like, gleefully does their homework. I think she's just like, ah, I got these stupid boys yeah. are part of my <laughs> crew now. So I got to drag them along so they don't fail class. Yeah, I think it's just a callback to Hermione just really not liking things being wrong. I think it would drive her crazy if she watched the boys turn in obviously poorly done homework. It's just like, so for my own comfort, I'm just going to fix it. 
Right, that makes sense to me. Yeah, that, that seems yeah. like Hermione to me. Uh, we learn about the 700 ways to commit a foul in Quidditch. And I put, <laughs> and nobody will care about any of them during these seven books. But you have some more notes, so why don't you talk about the 700 fouls in Quidditch? Yeah, they said 700 fouls, but Hooch knows none. Well, she knows one, if we're to take this chapter. <laughs> right, she does know one. Um, but yeah, and, and this is a call out for anyone listening. If you have some funny ideas for what some Quidditch fouls could be, I just want to know how there could possibly seven, possibly be 700. Because the big ones seem like they'd kind of encompass a lot of the smaller ones. Like, no deliberately colliding with other players. No charming the Quidditch balls. No using magic on other players. Things like that. That would be very obvious. But then I tried to think of like some random obscure ones that just never come up, but you have to pad it if you're going to get to 700. It's like no hiding the snitch under your uniform. No hitting the quaffle with a beater bat like it's baseball. No trying to get on the other player's broom. And I just made this one up because it was silly to me, but no charming yourself to smell really bad so other chasers <laughs> can get close to you. <laughs> It's kind of like no farting near the enemy. Like you're not allowed. Yeah. I. What's important to note here, just if you're not familiar with sports, in sports when you go and you read a rule book of a sport, there are fouls and there are rules, and these are separate. These are mm -hmm. 700 fouls in Quidditch. There's other mm -hmm. rules separately, and these rules are also silly because in like book four, I think is Harry's allowed to use magic to like waterproof himself. Or he could, yeah. he just does it on his glasses, which is separate. But it's like, so performing enhancing magic pregame is allowed, kind of, I guess. Like, so like the rules are separate from the fouls. 700 fouls is intense. I imagine jumping, I imagine like Fred or George, like after I read your notes, I imagine like Fred or George jumping onto the broom of an opponent. Yeah. <laughs> like, you can't <laughs> I jump, can see them doing it. <laughs> you can't jump on other people's brooms. You have to ride your own broom is the only, the, the broom you registered with in the game. Is the one you have to ride for the duration of it, I imagine, is a foul. Yeah. I'd love if they just, like, started with 50 fouls, and then they let the wizards go at it, and then every once in a while, some Fred or George-esque Quidditch player tried to do something so absurd, they were like, all right, add it to the list. <laughs> that must be it. That's how things work. Like, when I started working where I work, which is um, with... Uh, I don't want to like dox myself, but like with kids at like an outdoor school, right? When I started mm -hmm. working there, it was like the policy manual was like three or four pages and it covered mm -hmm. all the main things. Like make sure you're always around, like you're never allowed to be alone with a, one of the children. You always have to have another person there with you. Like there's very common sense rules on how to mm -hmm. comport yourself and be professional while dealing with children because there's lots of rules around that obviously. Yeah. Um, but now it's like 16 pages and includes things like no cliff jumping <laughs> because one of the staff just on there, like for fun, just jumped off one of the cliffs into the ocean, like broke their tailbone. And we're like, ah, we got to add it to oh the list. God. Not allowed to do that anymore. <laughs> so there's like all of these separate things. There used to be a policy manual, pretty much that just said, here are all the, the legal and reasonable responsibilities you have as a caretaker for other people's children. And now it's just a mm -hmm. list of like dumb things that people have done. <laughs> that you're not allowed to do anymore, which is very funny to me. Like, no cliff jumping. Yeah, some dumb person had to go and ruin it for everyone by breaking their butt. Yeah, it was, it was, <laughs> it looked painful. I remember doing the first aid Oof. for that one. And like, just seeing someone's Oof. whole lower back be purple is an experience. It looked terrible. Oh. 
Yeah, it was good policy change. It's still kind of silly that it has to be in there. Anyways, we move on from these 700 fouls to Snape intrigue. Uh, Harry goes to get his book back because Snape took the book. I don't know if this is slightly out of order, but this is what happened. Snape took his book, which is dumb, and he took points away, which is also dumb. they They know that he just made this rule up. So Harry goes to get the book back, and he in the common room is pretty nice. Like, hey, guys, I'm just gonna go get my book back from Snape. How hard could it be? He opens the door, and there's Snape and Filch. Snape's got, like, cuts on his leg. Filch is looking at it. And Snape kind of like, what do you want, Potter? And then Harry has a funny line where he says he ran away before Snape could take away any more points. And I imagine, like, a proximity for the magic. Because the way it works in, like, I can't remember if JK said this on Twitter or anywhere else. The way it works is, like, when teachers take away or add points, like, magically adds them to, like, some scoreboard somewhere. Right, yeah. and so I imagine like a proximity. Like if Harry runs away quick enough, he's out of range of Snape. So when Snape says, "You know, five points from Gryffindor," it doesn't actually take them down. I just was wondering, like, can you outrun having points taken away? If so, why don't they do this more often? Just children fleeing down the hallways, right? Like trying to get within range. <laughs> That's what I mean. Like, the, you imagine Snape having to sprint after him, or like I imagine a situation where Harry's walking through the courtyard in like second period, and Snape's like hidden behind a fountain to get the yeah. range of the hair. I just, I just, this made this made my brain go crazy. I was like, how does the proximity work? I think it's just Harry being silly, but I imagined it as true just for my own fun. Yeah, oh, I like that. Like. Snape is clearly very upset, and Harry's biggest concern is the points. It's like the maddest he's ever seen Snape, but he's like, uh-oh, I'm going to lose house right. points. Right, we've talked, we've talked about this before, though. Only first years have anything to do with points. And all of these books, yeah. not even first years, any, it's just Harry's year. So in the next book, second years collect and lose all the points, and none of the other six. Like, There's never a situation where Harry earns 50 points, and then someone's like, yeah, but this idiot in like in the second year lost 50 points. And like that never happens. It's only Harry and his friends that can ever lose or gain points. Yeah. And we just need to add to the list. So apparently library books being on school grounds, but outside the school building is five points. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you're doing this. That's so much. <laughs> right. Like, what is the scale? It is a lot of points for just having a book outside the library, but also like a relevant. Like, it's weird because it's relevant to their education. And also, yeah. where are they going to go? Like, are there late fees? Like, they just live there. Like, can you, like, where are they going to take this book? Like, can you even lose a book? Like, if, yeah. can the library even lose the book? Can't Madame Pinch just be like, Accio Quidditch through the ages and it just comes yeah, back? I'm, like, what is going I'm on sure here? They're all armed. Yeah. It's just, it's just so silly. Yeah. We get yeah. even sillier. And this is, again, most <laughs> of my Harry Potter analysis is just like me being dumb and like overanalyzing everything. There's a sign at this Quidditch match called Potter for President. And I put president of what? There's no president in this world. <laughs> it's like there's no president of the school. There's no student president. Right. Like there's no like the, the, the leader of this, you know, institution is a headmaster and the leader of the wizards is called the Minister for Magic. Like what the fuck is he the president yeah, of? The leader of the U- of the UK is prime minister. Right. Yeah. Not? There's no president anywhere. <laughs> either directly or indirectly surrounding this story <laughs> and so i'm just there's no americans i'm just confused like i don't know i was just wondering what he was president of like why because there's no yeah it, it makes sense if hermione yeah. was american and she's like oh that's just mm-hmm. the thing americans say right but that's not this this is crazy this is wild writing i i was confused mm-hmm. i just thought i just it was a funny little touch and i like that harry's year mates are so supportive of him yeah yeah nice. 
It also is something like 11 year olds would do. I'm just wondering how they got the mm. idea to use the word president, considering in all seven of these books, there are no mentions of presidents of anything. Yeah. I mean, everyone likes a good alliteration. That is true. But I guess Potter for prime minister, nah, that's not the same. It doesn't I will give it to the Americans. Though. The president sounds a little more official as a title. There's a little more like grit yeah. to it. The prime minister mm-hmm. sounds like they're less in charge for sure. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Definitely less like authoritative. You can't see me, but I'm like kind of puffing up my chest. that's a a good uh perfect all right we get to the initial kind of entry into this quidditch match the only note i wrote for this is (laughs) harry kind of goes through what's happening so that us the reader gets a vibe of what's going on he goes over like hey this guy is the slytherin captain and you know i was being kept a secret so we weren't talking about me but then he also says uh madam hooch was refereeing (laughs) and then i put in my notes madam hooch was in quotations refereeing is a real quote from this novel yeah she was in quote in air quotes refereeing yeah she was present while the game happened do you have any notes or commentary about the entry to the quidditch match in this chapter uh i have two things first i just really like seamus's use of the word nobbled because i've never Fair, heard yeah. that before Fair enough. <laughs> he says Harry, i don't want you to get nobbled by other players and i'm like are they gonna eat him yeah what does that mean I don't know. If it's really I don't know what that funny. means. That's clearly a British word. Yeah, and then uh, the other thing that I just, I just really, really love that the chasers on the Gryffindor team are women. That was badass for me when I was growing up, and I think it's badass now. Heck yeah! Yeah. So shout out to Angelina Johnson, Alicia Spinnett, and Katie Bell for representing the girls in Gryffindor. Yeah, we're going to talk about Katie Bell because she gets shafted of the captaincy in book six. Yeah, she like, really does. Harry being made captain is a travesty. Is it? I think it's Katie Bell because she gets cursed. Like, yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Harry's been to what? Like less than half of the game. Right. That's right. It's all it's, again. Quidditch is absurd. But Harry being made Quidditch captain by Dumbledore is nuts. A, because Dumbledore oh. shouldn't be choosing each house's Quidditch captain. But B, but B, <laughs> Katie Bell gets absolutely screwed out of that. Yeah. Uh, and then we get into the game and I just I just love that Hooch says like I want a nice fair game says Hooch who doesn't know the rules and has no idea what a fair game is. Yeah. Like she's she's inept <laughs> at best. <laughs> at best. It's generous. But we also find out in in further books or i guess i don't think it's later in this book anyway somewhere in this series snape referees a game like are all the teachers qualified (laughs) to do this if so why do they pick the most incompetent one does she referee most of the games but also there's only like nine games that get played or whatever this is right and so 12 games if each each team plays three times that's 12 games and they all happen in the like yeah it's just 12 games over 12 weekends like what are like can the same teacher not referee them all this isn't a packed schedule here yeah and i'm pretty sure flying is only a lesson for the first years and they do two houses per lesson so how busy is she really what's she doing yeah no (laughs) (laughs) our commentary on this novel is absurd i hope you're not here for literary analysis because this is 
this is other than like this chapter is good. We're just really in the weeds here. Um, yeah. You and I both took notes on Lee Jordan's superb commentary. Um, this is my version of this was fun at the time. This is I reread these books every single January. And so mm -hmm. and I guess this year twice because I'm doing this right. Um, they're my first seven mm -hmm. books that I throw on my Goodreads for my reading challenge each year just to get them out of the way and get like a, a nice pace going after the winter holidays. And mm -hmm. every single time I get to Lee Jordan's commentary, I'm laughing out loud. It it just is perfect. Like for someone who doesn't know anything about sports, clearly, JK definitely understands this specific yeah. role of the sports announcer at Quidditch. And she she knows very much how that role she thought I could tell she thought a lot about how she could use that job to pace the book really well and add a little bit of humor. And she does that well with other things, but she does it again with the commentator of Quidditch with Luna in later books where she's a Ravenclaw with the Gryffindor lion hat, which is very funny. Right. And yeah. so this is something I don't think she thought a lot about Quidditch as a sport. I think she did think a lot about how she could use this job to elevate the book and this chapter, which I just thought yeah. was well done and very funny. Yeah. And I think it does, it does a great job of showing how fast the game is. Because you've kind of got, you you have a hard time understanding, because you see the, you get an understanding that the pitch is huge, and the ring's relatively small, there's only one quaffle, how fast can the game really go? And just based on the speed of his, um, his speech, I guess, the game goes really, really fast, and you feel really pulled into the action of it. I hadn't even thought about that, that's a great pickup. Yeah, again, I think mm -hmm. we got layers here. This is like an onion, this position on the Quidditch pitch. Yeah, she's clearly yeah. thought very much about how to use this role. I hadn't even picked up that it kind of gets you. Because I, I I, can't remember for this book. I might have been too young. But for this book, I mm -hmm. might have watched the movie first. I think it, by, by Prisoner of Azkaban, I've definitely read the books before the movie. Because I remember yeah. going and getting my little Lego night bus after reading the book. I can't remember Aww. if I had read this one i i just can't remember i was like six or seven or whatever yeah. um but i maybe in my head i already watched the quidditch happen in the movie so i understood because i didn't pick it up this time either and that seems like the kind of thing that would that would register mm -hmm. that's a great great find yeah that's perfect yeah and i love it it seems like such a school thing to have a student do the commentary it's like okay we'll let the fourth years have a stab at it Right. And if, yeah, it does give you vibes of like, I don't know what your sports are like wherever you live. But if you're in America, yeah. you play a lot of baseball. I imagine the parents will take a turn being like the first base umpire. And, you know, mm -hmm. in, in hockey and certainly in hockey here in Canada, um, I remember my parents and then myself when my little brother played taking turns uh, running the scoreboard and turning the clock on and off and those types of things. And so it does yeah. give you vibes of that. Mm -hmm. and but then he's so obviously biased <laughs> right but also not only is he biased the bias i understand if you're gonna get students to do this job they're all in a house it's crazy that you don't get one from one of the two houses not playing but i guess none of those students yeah. would turn up to watch the match but there's only 12 match i don't know this is again quidditch is crazy but even worse yeah. to me the worst crime is that they're allowed to <laughs> announce to the seekers where the snitches like this is wild. Yeah. <laughs> the whole point of that position is that they have to find it and then lee jordan right? sees it and just goes hey there's the snitch and i, I cannot believe that that is part of the commentating is that you can do the job of one of the players like an essential role in the game that on this reread i'd never noticed that before but on this my 200 reread i thought that was the funniest part of this chapter is just to be like hey there's the snitch and then them being like oh there's the snitch and going to get it oh so good 
I imagine that's something you can get away with in Hogwarts Quidditch, but not in professional Quidditch. Yeah, and it sucks too, because we get the Quidditch World Cup, which I, a lot of people complain about being unnecessary in the book, which really makes me upset, because it was the one mm. chance for us to get to learn more about Quidditch, even if it was yeah. even if it was a little like frivolous and unnecessary, right? Like mm-hmm. They don't even go over that, yeah. Like, you don't get like, oh, this is the ref, and then he refs really well, so you're like, oh, yeah, um... The Hogwarts refs and commentators actually really suck. Like, we don't get that, yeah. ever. We just stuck with Hooch the whole time. <laughs> Damn Hooch. Okay, side note, and I don't have to get too into it, I do really like the Quidditch World Cup in the fourth book. I think that is a very necessary interlude, and we I can talk about it later, but I think it gets too much hate. Yeah, I think it gets too much hate as well. I have lots of thoughts on it. I I, mm-hmm. I don't think it's the best part of that book. Obviously, Goblet of Fire is a masterpiece, and that's just like the yeah. intro to it. But it's I enjoy the Quidditch World Cup. But again, I like sports, and you like sports, so maybe it's the <laughs> fact that if you don't like sports, the Quidditch World Cup. Yeah, doesn't. Maybe. I think it's. I bet you you could actually now that I'm thinking about it, figure out you just draw a line, and anyone who likes sports probably likes those chapters, and anyone who doesn't like sports probably. Do we need the sports? Yeah, I could see that. All right, we're, thing, we're back so in the game, and there's <laughs> Rachel. Um, yes. Harry Potter, you know, he's just dry, <laughs> he's just flying his broom around. He's a good seeker. He's just going to hang out. And as we know, this game is going to go without a hitch. He's just going to catch the snitch. They're going to win. It's going to be great. Wait a second. There's dark magic afoot <laughs> at Hogwarts. Very dark magic. Who'd have thunk that this could happen at Hogwarts? Um, and so... Uh, Harry is having trouble flying his broom. It takes a while for people to notice. Uh, Hagrid is the one who identifies the powerful dark magic at hand here, Mm. which is crazy considering this should be identified by all the adults first before Hagrid, but fine. He is the one that notices it, which is great. I put just a quick note about the quality of broomstick making in the wizarding world. If, as Hagrid says, I'll take him at his word here, the only thing that can interview with a, interfere with a broom is powerful dark magic. And we know yeah. that that's like pretty hard to do. Or at least if it's not difficult, you need to actually be pretty truly evil or like very emotional like Harry is in book seven when he does the Unforgivables. To do mm-hmm. it, you have to really mean it. Like these are pretty reliable brooms if you can't just like normally jinx them. That's a good, there's some good magic going on in the broomstick world of Harry Potter. Oh, yeah. Well, the stocks of Nimbus are just going to keep going up. Right. I, also I had the same, same thought, like, <laughs> is, is the Nimbus more prone to jinx than the clean sweep? Like, when Ron gets his yeah. clean sweep later, can you just normally... Because Hermione's able to jinx the other guy on a broom and Cormac McLagan. So, yeah. right? Like, does Cormac not have a Nimbus? Uh, he's the guy. I don't know. I don't know what's going on here. But I just... The, the people making Nimbus, the stocks are rising. You're right. I'm in. Yeah. Maybe the confund the sorry the confund is the clean sweeps are heavier because of all the counter jinxes they have on them. <laughs> right, yeah. right. Maybe that's why they suck, is they can't be fast <laughs> and counter jinxable. You have to pick one. I imagine it's like yeah. a slider in the video game, in like a video game where you're having to like, like put every point you put into being unjinxable, you have to take away from speed. Yeah, it's like driving a minivan versus a Porsche. <laughs> that's exactly right. <laughs> all right. Uh, while this is happening, the game does not stop. Harry wants to call a timeout, but no one does, which, again, I've already talked about how silly timeouts are in Quidditch. This shouldn't Mm -hmm. be necessary. Someone should do something about this. And instead, I put (laughs) Marcus Flint scoring five times without anybody noticing is so funny. Like, 
<laughs> that again the, the the like every time you reread these books there's another thing that sticks out i've never thought about this before but i just imagine marcus flint like taking the ball putting it through the ring looking up at the chaos above him being like eh, no one's stopping me flying back to the center of the pitch and just doing it again and just like yeah oh so but, good come on dude and it just i just think it's a nice little way to show like hey you know in case you forgot slytherin still sucks and it's not just Malfoy. Right. I have a little more. I have a little more sympathy for this one. Like I think, because to be fair, you're taught in sports. Play till the whistle. That is a thing that you learn in all sports. Play mm-hmm. until the official of the game tells you to stop. And Marcus mm-hmm. Flint is just being a competitor. You know, none of the adults have any idea what's going on, and no one's stopping him. Right? Like, it doesn't yeah. say, and Marcus Flint, because he hated Harry and wanted him to fall off his broom and die, <laughs> kept scoring goal. He just, like, Marcus Flint's just continuing the game that the referee has not stopped. So I, it's not nice. He should moderate his own behavior. But, hey, he's, the, you know, like, 14, right. 15, wants to win the Quidditch Cup like everyone else, and the referee of the game is allowing it to happen. I don't know. Yeah. It's a bit, um for those hockey fans out there, it's a bit Brad Marchand. Yes, yes, that's a good. I didn't yeah. get like actually <laughs> evil from this guy, but just during the match is yeah, is just a bit of a, a prick. He's a little rude. Yeah. yeah, yeah. He yeah, he's one of those people you love to have him on your team. You hate him when he's on anyone else's team. Exactly, yeah. You carry that vibe from him. Well, they made him look so weird in the movie. They did. It sticks with me. Yeah, they did. They absolutely did. <laughs> Um, they also don't give him his moment to shine in the movie where he scores five. Like maybe that would have lifted him up a little bit. Maybe I would have found that funny. Neville is out here sobbing into Hagrid's jacket, which which I should not be laughing at, but that that got a response out of me this reread. I was I was like, oh, like like there is no redeeming moment to Neville until the end of this book where he gets the ten points. Shots at him. Yeah, like constantly. There's no moment where Neville has a good moment written into this book and the only time he gets a little bit of moment is because Dumbledore gives him points for something but even in that moment you're just annoyed with him because you're on this adventure with the the, the trio and you're like get out, get out of the way <laughs> right like when yeah. you're reading it you're like oh Neville get out of here you're not helping and so like you don't even feel as a reader like he's done something brave until Dumbledore gives the points and so yeah he yeah. just doesn't get a moment to shine in this book because this is so unnecessary like why does Neville have yeah. to be dragged into this <laughs> And like, of course, anyone would be upset. That's really dangerous. Yeah, like, you what, have to what? get on that Neville for being an empath, dude. Yeah, I think you could just take this sentence out of the chapter, and it's better. And yeah, it, I think it's better for Neville. I think it's better at like, I don't think we need to drag Neville into like having like the like, Harry's already having a bad time. We don't need to like just stop by with Neville to be like, oh, also he's a bit of a loser. In case you forgot. Yeah, right. In this very short book where I shit on Neville 29 times. In case you forgot from the last time, please know that Neville's sobbing into Hagrid's jacket. Yeah, it's so mean. Uh, And then, I guess what happens next, I guess Hermione identifies... Who identifies Snape? Hermione. Hermione is the only smart person that's happening. (laughs) Everything that follows from here. So let's talk about Snape really quick before we get to, I think we'll do all the Hermione stuff in one go. Um, Snape, as we talked about, is not doing anything to, he knows it's Quirrell because it's the only other person that could possibly be doing this. Right. And he's already suspicious of Quirrell, which is why he has the gashes in his legs. We learned this later, but in retrospect, we know this now. 
Right. Mm-hmm. And instead of just pushing Quirrell over, and they're right next to each other in the movie, and in the book, it sounds like they're pretty close to each other. Instead of just like standing mm-hmm. in front of him, or like, you know, like we talk about eye contact being needed, like just putting a blindfold on him or something, or just like, like what? Just yeah. do something else. Sna- but well, but Snape is, uh, to his credit, muttering a counter curse, which we have no way of knowing how effective it is. Like, if he stops muttering, does Harry just die? Or is like, is the counter curse just less effective than the curse? Yeah, I would have to imagine that Quirrell's probably a little more powerful, given that he's got, like, a little Voldemort tumor. Uh, <laughs> but it, it must have been enough that Harry was able to stay on the broom, even though it was going wild. All right, so we both think this counter curse was actually doing something, and we just can't register it because the situation just felt the same the whole time. It's, yeah, it's kind of grave. <laughs> Fair enough, but, right. Yeah, it'd be hard to know, though. Like, if, if he didn't counter it and Harry just fell, then we'd know, but... Obviously, I think they don't want us to know that there was a counter jinx at this point because that would kind of uh, ruin the reveal that Snape wasn't actually the bad dude. Fair. You're right. Yeah, this is like, yeah, the red herring is happening here for sure. Hermione Mm -hmm. sees that this is happening, comes up with a plan like Hermione is wont to do. Actually, like Hermione not telling anyone her plan ever is the only reason that book two works at all or else you just wouldn't believe that Hermione would just run off and get like, uh, what's it called, by the snake, right? Because she like petrified because she just runs off in that book and you're like oh that doesn't make sense why wouldn't she just tell the but she doesn't do it here i was like oh this is a character trait that she has she just has a plan Mm -hmm. and runs off to do it uh her plan her plan is to light snape on fire which is so good just not not like uh, i don't know i don't know i don't know if this was like the best plan it's really quick on her feet this is the one she came up with uh to her credit she didn't get noticed doing it yeah, somehow she like bodily hits Quirrell on the way and then still manages to set Snape on fire and get out. I think it's helpful that Snape doesn't notice he's on fire for 30 seconds. That's like, so long. Like again, like whoever's making the robes in, in, in uh, the Wizarding World, good fire reduction capabilities going yeah. on there. Imagine if you were the potions master at Hogwarts and you just go to like Madame Malkin and just be like, listen, these kids are <laughs> They can They're going to set me on fire. They can shoot flames out of their wands. You don't understand how dangerous this is. They're going through puberty. They're unpredictable. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> maybe some, some fireproof robes. For I, would, I would take that Harry Potter fanfic. Someone write that and send it as an email. Just a quick, you know, couple of pages. Snape going into Madame Malkin's after this incident to get more flame <laughs> retardant robes. If someone emails me that fanfic, I will shut you out on this podcast. That would be <laughs> just a couple of pages, not a full chapter, just the scene. Like I would, I would love that. I so. would love that. Yeah. <laughs> All right. So Hermione yeah. saves the day. She lights. Mm-hmm. So so what's great here about the writing in retrospect is that it's her nudging Quirrell that stops the curse. But because mm-hmm. it's a red herring and we're meant to think it's Snape, um, um, she thinks it's her lighting Snape's robes on fire that does it. But either way, Hermione saves the day as she's going to do because she's the only person paying any attention all the time. Uh, none mm-hmm. of the adults have done anything of the situation, which we've already talked mm-hmm. about. Um, but then Harry, after the situation, swallows the snitch for the win. Apparently swallowing the snitch is not one of the 700 fouls in a game yeah, of Quidditch. Okay. What, a, what are your thoughts on this, you know, pretty triumphant moment for an 11-year-old who has not had a lot of triumph in his life up until this point? Oh, this made me feel so good. 
I was so happy. Although I will say, I think I liked the way that the movie did it a little better because the movie puts a lot of focus on the actual catching of the snitch and it's a very heroic moment. Um, but I think just given kind of the, the chaos of the scene as we're reading it, it makes sense that um, once Harry was able to back get back on his broom, he was like, okay, now it's time for business and he just catches it or eats it. Yeah. Um, I I do like so obviously the way this sport is designed is that there ha it's kind of like it's designed in like the framework of NFL football American football where there's just mm -hmm. one position that is so much more important than all the other positions yes. um, and this is done purely not because JK knows a thing about sports but just so that Harry can be good at the important position and right like it's clearly mm -hmm. why Quidditch is designed the way it is is for Harry to shine but in this chapter he does shine and mm -hmm. I just thought about how cool this would be. Like I, I, I was never someone who like played professional sports or anything. But I, you know, just playing any sports, like those moments in a game, it's two two and you score a goal with ten seconds left and you win and everyone's freaking out, like those feelings stick with you for a long time, right? And so just for him to have mm -hmm. this moment to just be not just good at something, but genuinely excel at it and be the hero and, and snatch the victory. You know, a, a snitch is worth more points than five unearned, you know, <laughs> scores from the terrible Slytherins. You know what I mean? So yeah. just as a moment for Harry in this moment, but also just as someone who played a lot of sports and didn't have like heroic moments like this, but just had a lot of moments where, you know, you're, you're playing a better team and you managed to win, you grind it out. And that's a huge boost to your morale. Um, for an 11 year old, these are huge. These are formative moments. Um, they, they definitely change who you are as a person. And, and I, I just yeah. like that for Harry in this chapter. Yeah. And it, you just feel good because he was so nervous. He was so worried that he would muck it up and then he didn't. Although I think my favorite part of it is immediately after Flint is complaining that Harry broke the rules. And I just thought that was so ironic given his conduct during the entire game. Right. I think he would argue I wasn't breaking any rules. And if I was, the ref could have stopped the game. <laughs> yeah. He like he we, we kind of glossed over it, but he fouled Harry earlier. Oh, he and did. Was, You're right. He's trying to catch the stitch and he fouled him. But I think with um, and, 700 and fouls, like, can you not foul people? Because in soccer, <laughs> like soccer is a game. Like in hockey, you just have penalties or not penalties. But soccer is yeah. a game where you have fouls and yellow cards and red cards. So you can commit a foul without being punished for it in any way. And that happens mm -hmm. like most players in a soccer match commit a foul or two. Like it's just really hard to play that game without committing yeah. fouls just at the speed you're playing it at and the way people's legs are getting tangled together like mm -hmm. it's just hard not to commit fouls so imagine quidditch with 700 flowers fouls high speed <laughs> on broomsticks not that i'm giving this guy any you know leeway here i'm sure he intentionally fouled harry but i just imagine it's a game where a lot of people are fouling people all the time just even yeah. by accident just because of the speeds and the, the well, broomstick they get a free throw don't they yeah, they get a penalty kick, which is clearly... I have questions about which that. Which is clearly because JK has watched a soccer match and has, seen, soccer <laughs> and has seen a penalty kick, but it just doesn't work in Quidditch. Like, like it just isn't... Yeah, like, yeah it just it's doesn't so work. It's awkward. In, right? like, how does it work? Because there's three goals. So, like, the goalie has to be able to, like, move, and then, obviously, they don't have, like, super strong throwing arms that can reach, like, 100 yards. So do they get to fly right up to the goals? Like, is it a, is it deking? What are the rules? Yeah, I so I imagine it works the same way it does in soccer, where unlike hockey in a shootout, like you're stationary. And like mm -hmm. the where I guess like in soccer, you run up to the ball, but the ball stays in the same place. 
I guess yeah. in this, you have the quaffle or whatever, and you just have to throw it from where you are into one of the three hoops. But my problem with it isn't the way the penalty set up. That still makes sense to me, right, mm -hmm. as a concept. My problem is it's just not worth the same. In a game of soccer, like most games of soccer have less than four goals. So getting a penalty mm -hmm. that has a 95% chance of scoring a goal, 90% chance of scoring a goal, is yeah. like that goal is like you've pretty much just given away a goal that like it's very important but in quidditch people are scoring all the time and like you would need 150 penalty shots to make up for just the other seeker grabbing the snitch yeah maybe different fouls are worth different points sorry but we'll never i know. said 150 Cause... 15 penalty shots not 150 uh, oh <laughs> yeah. Right, Wait, is yeah. it? Yeah, it's 10 points to score in quidditch it's 10 so, points. but still 15 penalties equals one snitch catch like the ratio of it is just not yeah it doesn't add up Right, and okay. then if they're getting penalties to make up for it, you could just give a penalty. Like in soccer, a penalty is only given for a foul inside the 18-yard box, so it's pretty hard yeah. to get anyway. But if you're giving penalties mm -hmm. for every foul in Quidditch, then you're not even watching a Quidditch game. You're just watching penalty shootouts the whole time. You're just watching like glorified... Um, it's not even basketball, because the hoops aren't the right way. Yeah, no, it's... I just... The whole penalty system also something yeah. that is just... I You just let it go, because Quidditch is fun, and it's like a fictional yeah. world, and like um i actually quidditch has been helped because i listened to a podcast called hello from the magic tavern which is an improv podcast mm -hmm. and in that improv podcast they accidentally created a sport called mittens and because <laughs> it's an improv podcast everyone on the podcast needs to remember the rules over hundreds and like they've been doing it for years right but they don't have yeah. notes on this game and that game has ended up being so bonkers <laughs> that it makes quidditch seem normal like they're at the point with mittens where you're oh. like carrying flower pots across the field and stuff <laughs> and i was like perfect quidditch is a normal sport compared to mittens so it's I think all about perspective my having listened to that podcast has made me tolerate Qu uh, quidditch a lot because every time they bring up mittens i'm like this is dumb i hate this this is so silly yeah. <laughs> although i do have a question for you in an alternate universe if Flint doesn't block Harry from catching the snitch and he catches it with his hand, how does Dumbledore give Harry the resurrection stone? Oh, man. This feels like bonus episode stuff. I feel like you and I could come okay. with these like questions for a bonus episode. I want to think about my answer. Because I don't like the way he does it anyway. And mm. so, oh, man. I'm surprised I haven't thought of this. Because I, I frequently, every time I reread that book, go, there's, there's got to be a, a way to give this information to these three that doesn't rely on this random chain of events accidentally on working chance. out. A lot of it is chance, yeah. Yeah. I don't know. I suspect, I suspect that he, mm, I don't know. Okay, I feel, like, I feel like I'm saving this question for some kind of bonus episode. Because <laughs> I, I want to have a good answer for it. Did you have an answer for it? Or did you think about this? No, I I didn't think too much about it beyond the question. Uh, I real I obviously like I really like the idea of like I open at the close and holding it to your mouth because I think it's it's a nice callback to what happened. But if that doesn't happen, how does Dumbledore securely give Harry the Resurrection Stone? It's, there's just like a whole nebula of possibilities. I suspect he just gives it. My initial like actual answer would be he just gives it to Snape. And just tells mm. Snape when, because like Snape has been given instructions, which he almost fucks up, to tell yeah. Harry about um, all of the Lily and James and all of that stuff. Mm -hmm. um, so that he knows that he's a Horcrux, right? Like Snape's charged with giving the reveal to Harry that he's a Horcrux and needs to die, right? And yeah. so I imagine he would be like, when you have to tell, like, I imagine it just goes, there's just another step. Like, okay, so when you see the snake in the bubble of magic guarding it, that's when you tell Harry that he's the Horcrux, and also it's when you give him the snitch. 
Yeah. Okay. That. Yeah. That makes a lot. More it, sense. it also makes t- sense timing wise because yeah. then he's getting it right before he goes into the forest, and I he he figures mm-hmm. out the need to touch it to his mouth right away, and so I feel like that still works mm-hmm. with the plot. Although I want to come up with a funnier answer. Yeah, we could we could probably come up with some good possibilities. I also want like, but like, there's so much bonus episode material. We could like draft a Quidditch team, like in like oh. out, of, out of all the characters from like a different series. Who was Connor and I did that. We drafted a Quidditch team out of Hamilton characters, like who would oh, play oh. in what. Aaron, did you put Aaron Burr as a beater? Oh, I can't remember what I did, but like you could just pick <laughs> anything. Like okay, out of all the characters in Harry Potter, you can pick them at their prime. What is your yeah. Quidditch deal? Like, do you put Lupin in there somewhere? Like, does James mm. come in and unseat Harry as a sneaker or as a seeker? Like, where did like Bill Weasley fit in? Like, you could just pick. I right, there's so many opportunities for bonus content in Harry Potter. Oh, that sounds fun. We should do that. All right. Before <laughs> we're st- we still haven't finished this chapter, <laughs> you're all good. You're all good. At the end, um, genuinely, before I get into Hagrid being a, a bit of a doofus, um, how mm. nice is it that he's just making it? Because it just cuts, and the the it just cuts from the end of the match to Hagrid making tea for the trio in his hut, which I just loved. As like normally, those mm. kind of cuts are really jarring, but just like you're at the high. And then you just like are immediately in like a nice, calm state of like decompression. And I love that. Yeah. The way that it emotionally transitions. And it's just Hagrid's a good guy. Yeah. And I like how Hagrid's just kind of taken in the other two. Like he really only developed a relationship with Harry. But then Harry's like, these two are my friends. And we go everywhere together because we're 11 year olds at boarding school. And he's like, and Hagrid's like, okay, well, we're all friends now. And I thought that was really nice. Yeah, we're 11 year olds at boarding school, and there's only 10 people in our year. So like, <laughs> there's not a lot of backup options. We can't even bring books outside, so our <laughs> right. options for are limited. Right, there's five people in each dormitory, 10 per year. There's no backup friends. If we, no. I went to school with 600 people just in my year. And of That's course, so it, it was pretty socially acceptable to have a friend in the year below or the year up. Once you skipped mm-hmm. two years, it was weird. But like, so I had mm-hmm. like fourteen hundred people or so, or maybe even yeah. more than that, that I could be friends with and like socially be socially acceptable. <laughs> they have excluding themselves seven other people. Yeah, because because interhouse mingling is not. Yeah, cool. there's no. It's not cool. It's kind of cool just before the Yule Ball, and that's it. Yeah, I think our. I think the first time we see it is Percy and Penelope Clearwater. Yeah, in the next book, you're right. You're right. So it's yeah, fair if you're romantically involved. It's if you have, if you're partners, then that's fine. But if you're just friends, it's not. It makes I have yeah. so many questions now. You're right. I have so many <laughs> questions now about how how you get whatever. It's all good. Oh. <laughs> all right. Uh, Hagrid is making tea for the trio, and he's bad at keeping secrets. And he says uh, the kids are talking about the stone, and you know they're, they're giving the download on Snape. Like, hey, this is what we think happened. This is who we think cursed harry uh hagrid is right in the sense that it wasn't snape is wrong in the sense to say that a hogwarts teacher would never curse a Mm -hmm. student or whatever that was a nice little like haha hagrid you fool but um (laughs) he name drops flamel and then he said then the line goes and he looked very angry with himself so hagrid being (laughs) hagrid pretty much yeah i love the addition of the movies of him just saying shouldn't have said that Right, which makes it worse. Like, it's just continuing to <laughs> dig the hole. It's like, that's between Dumbledore and Nicholas Famello. And then you just move on to something else, and maybe the kids don't, like, catch on. And they're like, yeah, they shouldn't have said that. What I like is, like, in yeah. book seven, a lot of people get mad at Floor for being so suspicious that Hagrid was the mole. 
who ruined mm. the Potter's plan. And I'm like, that's ridiculous. Of course, Fleur is the only one on her game. This is like a reverse Hermione situation. Fleur is the only yeah. one who's like putting feelings aside to think clearly. Of course, you would think it's Hagrid. Look, look at his record. This was like fairly unprompted, name-dropping Flamel, a person they did not even know existed. Yeah, it's like, oh, sorry, I can't go for drinks with you at the pub. I've just got to gotta go see Harry. Shouldn't have said that. <laughs> It's ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Do you have any overarching uh, thoughts on this chapter before I get into the winners? Uh, no, I don't. I think we've pretty much covered it. Um, I just really love Quidditch. It's so fun. It's so silly and fun. Perfect. I think it would be less fun if it were more serious. Perfect. I th- I think so, too. It definitely needs to be whimsical. Like, this, the whole Harry Potter series is a fine line of whimsical and magical versus the real life to make it relatable and so yeah quidditch needs to be crazy and fun and as a kid you don't care like we're doing this as adults which is maybe like actually like a downside to doing this podcast is just because these books were originally written for children and so Mm -hmm. these first couple are like you just want it to be like kids aren't reading this and going but that 700 fouls that's a lot they're just like oh 700 sure there could be a thousand fouls and they wouldn't know the difference between i wouldn't even care logistics did not matter at all to me when i was a child right yeah yeah. no one goes like in book two as a 10 year old you're like oh how'd they get the flying car how does a car fly you're just like oh there's a flying car at the window how cool is that fred and george are awesome yeah that's pretty neat let's go with it yeah absolutely and the only other thing i wanted to mention just to put a pin in it is this is kind of the first point where we get a definitive like looking back on the entire series this is the first point you can look back on definitively um as like i would say this the the confirmable start of snape's character arc um you learn at the Mm. end of this book that he wasn't the one charming harry or cursing harry but you don't really think much of it because harry still hates snape for whatever reason anyway and Mm -hmm. so i just wanted to bookmark this as like the first moment where as we track snape's arc you can go back and confirm like oh he was in his own weird way kind of protecting harry the whole time not not enough that he'll do more about the situation just enough that he doesn't die but he's he's around and being uh, at least more protective than anyone else but hermione yeah that first little just instance of double agency of just being a double agent everyone thinks he's evil but he's like no 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 i'm still a jerk but i'm not an evil jerk right that's right (laughs) i'm an absolutely terrible person i'm just not actually evil like the rest of these terrible people i'm i'm removed from that slightly but as children we don't see those shades of gray so we just see jerk and we think evil yeah, that's right. And like JK also does that. All the bad people are ugly. Yeah. All the good people are attractive. All the bad people wear black. Right? You know what I mean? Mm. Like, yeah. So, yeah. You, yeah. These books are written for kids. There's a, there's a binary. There's good guys and bad guys. Slytherins are bad. Yeah. Gryffindors are good. And that's fine. I think I think it works in the context and we can flesh it a little, flesh it out a little more in like Pottermore and in the movies, but in the books... It makes sense, and it especially in the first book, it makes it easy to understand. Right. Oh, all right. Uh, chapter winners. My, uh, we have the, okay. I didn't realize at the time we have the same. Oh no, I did realize at the time because I put it for all the reasons Rachel mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> all right, Rachel, you're gonna take this one first because my my notes are for all the reasons Rachel mentioned. Okay. So my chapter for this winner, uh, my winner for this chapter, I wanted to go for Harry because he caught the snitch. Um. But I had to go with Hermione. Uh, I think Harry literally could have died on the face of it if Hermione hadn't done 
what she did. She interfered with the jinx. She knocked over Quirrell. She set Snape on fire. She saw something that was wrong, immediately took action, and actually fixed the problem. So big ups for her. And then we also just outside of actually that, we see her kind of coming into her own as a character and as a friend. You know, she's actually really generous and really giving. You know, she helps, helps in air quotes, Harry and Ron with their homework. She thinks to be so thoughtful as to uh, borrow Quidditch through the ages for Harry to make him feel a bit better about the game. Um, you know, she really kind of just demonstrates that you know, she is a good and kind person, but she wasn't really given the chance to show that in the first few chapters. I think either maybe she was nervous or she just had a hard time showing that part of herself to other people, uh, which is a little sad. But um, I think now that she's finally given the opportunity, she's really kind of flourishing in this new friendship. And I also just wanted to give a quick honorable mention to Lee Jordan because he's an angel and I love him. Honorable mention to Lee Jordan all around. Uh, I All the things uh, Rachel said about Hermione. I also, the reason I specifically didn't give it to Harry is you don't get to win a chapter when you almost got cursed off your broomstick and died. Like you, uh, there are highs in this chapter for Harry, but there's also some lows. He has no idea what's going on. Someone's out there trying to murder him, right? Like, yeah. he, like he's just, he, he's close. He's not a loser of the chapter, but he's not the winner of the chapter. Yeah. Who's the loser of the chapter? Maybe Neville. Neville? Just, <laughs> Neville is the loser of, like, the first four books if we're, like, just going. Yeah. yeah. Like, he's not a loser, but he loses this. Ch- I just, it's so unfair that he gets called out for yeah. crying. Uh, it's either it was ne- upsetting. It's either Neville. Which, man, I'm regretting not doing chapter losers. I mean, we already talked for more <laughs> than an hour about, what are we even going to do with the actual important chapters of Harry Potter? Like, we already talked for more than an hour about these ones, which <laughs> you could sum them up in five minutes and move on and no one would care. <laughs> um, yeah, uh, chapter loser is going to be Neville or Quirrell because he didn't kill Harry. I think that's pretty easy. Oh, pretty easy yeah. loss. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's an L. <laughs> an L. Yeah, yeah. When your attempted murder of a child doesn't go as planned, that's a loss. All right. Uh, um, my winner for the uh, we need to come up with a name for this, but I keep writing the notes. Place, thing, concept, theme. Pretty much an object mm-hmm. or something that's not living. Uh, my chapter winner is not seeing the forest for the trees. These kids mm. are really good at picking up on these little details and not good at picking up on the bigger picture. They're just staring at each of these little trees and not zooming out to see the forest. If they had done that, if they had moved their binoculars just slightly um, to see Quirrell also muttering spells, they might not have had that same uh, impression of Snape. If they had thought mm-hmm. about it for 10 seconds, like, wait a second, why, what are all the reasons that, like, that dog would... Um, like, maybe if Snape's going down into the thing, maybe he's trying to protect what's there and just, just doesn't know how to get past the dog. Maybe he's not trying to steal it, you know what I mean? There are other options here that the kids just don't... Mm-hmm focus on and i think it's they're yeah. 11 they're 11 and this needs to be a fun book and the book's not fun if they just pick up on everything and know all the answers so mm-hmm. um but that, that to me just really stuck out in this chapter so many little moments where if they just zoomed out a little bit and thought about it a little bit more they i think they would have been led into a more correct direction but they're not doing it they're just they're just stubborn and 11 yeah and i think if if harry had been wrong a little more along the way 
like if maybe one of his intuitions was wrong maybe they'd be like oh maybe we should take a second stab at it but no you're right they do just get hyper focused on these tiny details yeah i suppose confirmably wrong because his intuitions are all incorrect like snape's not trying to steal a yeah. thing and snape <laughs> wasn't like he, he is wrong <laughs> yeah yeah but like he's right about you know the the thing from uh gringotts being in the being guarded by the dog and that snape has something to do with it so He's he's on the right track, but then, yeah, they do absolutely just get hyper-focused. And they decide they're right, and they can't see anything else. Right. All right, what's your winner? Okay, I, I was a little cheesy with this one. I had a really hard time coming up with something, but I ultimately just gave it to Quidditch. Uh, you talked about it a little before, and I'm going to steal kind of the oomph of that analysis. It is a really, really good plot vehicle. A lot of really important things happen in Quidditch games. Uh, aside from just the playing of the sport. Um, and it really carries the events of whatever chapter it's in. But it's also, it's you know, it's cool in the books. It's cool in the movies. It's the first thing that gives Harry purpose and goals when he comes to Hogwarts. So I think finally actually getting to see it be played. Um, I have to give credit where credit is due and give this one to Quidditch. Perfect. All right. That is it for chapter 11 entitled Quidditch. Thank you all so much for hanging out with us for this hour long deep dive in, into uh, what is not one of the more consequential chapters. But hey, that's what this podcast is for. Thank you so much for listening. We will see you next time with chapter 12, a absolutely all time chapter, The Mirror of Erised. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Let's Dive Deep Harry Potter. Don't forget to do all the things we mentioned up top. We got an email address, letsdivedeeppod at gmail.com, a Twitter account at Let's Dive Deep. We also have a Facebook group and a Patreon you can check out in the show notes below. Make sure to leave a review on your favorite podcatcher of choice and give this podcast to someone who you think might enjoy it. Thank you so much again for listening, and we will see you in the next one.